Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Al Basti Ecruel, Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. And my first guest is already safely ensconced. He's the leader of the Ginge Army. Uh, one of the uh, loudest, most vocal, passionate supporters of Nigel Twiston Davis, he is John Neal, who is absolutely no stranger to being on stage. You were telling me last night, John, you a bit of a singer in your time. Uh, you know, I've been known to knock a tune out at some <laughs> point. Excuse me, will you? Ah, uh, yeah, it's, it's really good to be here, Alan. A lovely Sunday morning. I've never been up this early in years, so grateful. You were up at Weatherby yesterday. Any day for Team Twister that's good's a good one for you, would you say? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and we had a good day Friday. Obviously, Splashy Jeans made his comeback on there Friday as well. But yeah, brilliant day. Great to see Bally Opta get his head in front, and also Cap Gary, who's a horse that I've sort of been on the side of for a long time, and he put his head in front as well. So, yeah, Nigel's on good form. Hopefully, we're going to speak to Sam as well in due course. We'll try and get him on uh, the uh, line. Uh, Splash of Ginger, were you, were you happy with that? His comebacks go? He's generally a bit of a, a slow burner early season, isn't he? Yeah, he always needs his run, you know, and obviously last year was a bit of a write off with the, obviously the weather. We waited all year for the ground, didn't come. I was telling everyone how in that race two years ago, he was beaten um, 29 lengths by the same horse, and he came out to Cheltenham a fortnight later and won the bet victor, so he only got beat 25 lengths this time. And he ran right through the line, No, Sam was delighted with him. Um, obviously, we always expect a little bit better, but I was over the moon. Okay. And we'll hopefully then, if, um, if the rain gods are on our side one more time, maybe we'll have one more big day when it comes to a fortnight on Saturday. Is it fair to say he's become something of a... A family pet, a, a friend, more than just a racehorse? Ah, he's, he, he's more than that to me anyway. He's just changed my life, really. You know, and like, I mean, I love national racing, grew up on it, and obviously living by 80, but he's, I mean, if I think of the parties, I think he's a, I think he's been good for the Cotswold community. He's <laughs> certainly been good Funds. for He's been good for the whole of Boston. Yeah. That's, that's I think we should have bought it to me there when it came on. <laughs> Would have been a cheaper option, but uh, no, he's been amazing. and. All that's down to Nigel, Carl and the team, Sparky and everyone here, Gemini looks after them. They've just done the job, you know. Why why the Cotswolds? Why Twiston Davies? How did that come about? Because uh, as he has great joy in telling you, he's, he's the only trainer, two Grand Nationals until Elliot. He'll say British trainer now. But that would have been what you'd do, you do, you're a side man? Purely and simply the National, yeah. My love for the National is, I think everyone knows, and uh, they'll carry me out in the box before I stop trying to win that race but uh, yeah Nige is just and his record over the fences you know, I think he's he's won every single race over the national fences and again he never tells you this Nige well not every other day anyway he rings you up and you're right yeah. but um, yeah that was the sole reason really yeah and uh, when you first went down there when you first met him what were your impressions of the, he, the setup? He, he ignored me <laughs> Carl Llewellyn was the only one who spoke to me, but Carl probably thought I wanted to buy a house off him, you know. <laughs> so, um, no, he is the way he is. Nigel's incredibly professional, you know, and he's a very, 
he's a very focused guy on what he does and obviously he's heard it all before from people there's this big Mount Stouser walking in saying he wants to win the Grand National but he only wants to spend 20 grand on a horse and nah, just laughing his head off but you know I just knew from the day on he's honest you know he doesn't like it he doesn't give you any of the spiel that we are so often in the race and uh, he's amazing really. he's, it, he's it, and it sounds speaking to you that you've got absolute faith in his judgment making he, you know when it comes to saying what you're going to do, what is achievable, what's doable, you believe in it. Well, he never tells me. I just, I'll get an email with an entry. I mean, one of the best stories ever. I mean, I think Sam and Carl will tell you when he entered us in the Bethlehem Hill. And I think they were all in the office, Sam, Carl, everyone was in the office and they were laughing. They thought it was an absolutely ridiculous thing to do. And then, you know, I think a month later he goes and wins it at 3 to 1 and Nigel just has great fun in sticking his finger in their faces going, I told you so, you know not. <laughs> But, you know, they're the sort of things that... I think when you're... A, I think when you're at the top of your sport, you have to have that level of belief that other people don't have. That's why they're not... They haven't been a trainer for 35 years and nine years, you know? And and I think it's nothing better than your trainer ringing you up and saying, we're going for something big. And then doing it. And then pulling it off more than once. And your love of horse racing came from the family? Yeah, yeah, it? yeah. Me nan, originally running illegal bets in spite of all for it. Charlotte Red was a nickname with the bookies, but the <laughs> So yeah, me nan and then me dad obviously um just, you know, I think the classic story, ITV I mean Liverpool is I think we were talking last night as well, three things, you know what I mean? It's racing. Yeah. Right? It's football and it's boxing. And you're either and you're either doing one of those three things or you're gambling on it or you're going to watch it. And like racing is just in, I love that word ensconced in what we do. Yeah. So it was initially through Family having a bet, following her on, on telly. Where, where do you start to join the dots to becoming more heavily involved? Well, I went to Henry Candy's then. I I used to write letters to John Oxy, who who's John Oxy then Lord Oxy. Yeah. I wrote, I want to be a jockey because I was a midget lad. So I <laughs> um, wrote letters to him, and then I went to Henry Candy's, and he he was a lovely man. He probably he doesn't even remember me now. I bumped into him, and he he doesn't know who I am. Obviously, I didn't have grey hair then. I was only 14. But <laughs> <laughs> that came when I was 16. But anyway, Henry just really nicely said, John, you seem like a bright lad. You've got absolutely no chance of ever being a jockey. So I cried all the way home. Told us that went home to me mum, said I ate them posh people. <laughs> <laughs> so then when I eventually had enough money to lose, that was the f that's all I ever wanted to do was own a horse. It's the next best thing, isn't it? I've, I wasn't good enough to be a jockey. Right? I'm never going to be a trainer. Yeah. You know what I mean? I haven't got a double battle name or a hyphen. And... <laughs> Yet. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, next best thing, isn't it? Own it and live your dreams vicariously to, you know, your horse. We've just been very, very lucky. And you, I mean, you started in the music industry, didn't you? Yeah. You won and lost your money in that. Yeah, That's right. Thanks. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds a bit like horse racing. I've just carried on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was, a, I was a singer and then I was a writer for 20-odd years in music and then I sort of fell out of love for that. And then I went into renewable energy business about 15 years ago. And that's where I am now, and that's where I've fortunately, I'm not like a, you know, I'm not Michael O'Leary. Mind you, though, I can promise you, if we win the national, it won't be a two-drink maximum on a Ryanair flag. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I've we, seen, I've seen your bar at the hollow bottom. That that week, two years ago, is it? It'd been November twenty yeah. seventeen when you won the bet, Victor. I mean, was that beyond your wildest dreams? That that kind of success? No. Or did the bet fair hurdle give you a taste of it? Do you know what's really funny about these things is sort of, they just have, you feel like you're in a bubble at the time. Now when you look back, like on the morning of the race, it started to rain about nine o'clock in the morning. We're all sat in the hollow. I'm having a pint of cider, you know, thinking oh, it'll be a nice day. So oh, it would be nice if this rain stays on. And then the staff, we've been here all week having a drink. You know, we've been at the meeting. 
And we said, do you want us to give you the tip or do you want us to throw you a few bob on the horse? Like, so anyway, Pete, who runs the Ginger Army, sort of financial side, which was the reason we're skint. <laughs> he put them 50 quid each way or 50 to one. And, you know, and it just feels like these things seem to happen. Yeah. And you think, you know, this is going to... And then, as I said, the more the rain came and he was off... Oh, I think uh, the one thing about this lad and our horses, we've been very, very lucky in general, is when the opportunities come his way, he grabs them. And is that why... It's been important that, I mean, that's kind of Nigel's mantra, isn't it? That you roll the dice when you've got the horse. Take your opportunities when you've got the chance. Because you never know what tomorrow might bring. Well, I love it because uh, I'm, I'm in the office sometimes when your esteemed colleagues will give Nigel a ring and they'll say, you know, how splashy jeans is he okay? And Nigel will go, no, he's absolutely woeful, he's school terrible, but we're going to run anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's our late, uh, the, the late unlucky star architect. I mean, it, when you look back at that race, actually, given what he was a... Uh, I knew you'd show this dancing thing. You couldn't wait to wheel it out. <laughs> <laughs> what is that, John? That is called flying down the left wing for Liverpool. Look at that. I mean, Beautiful you, textbook. You almost can't quantify what that means. Anyway, listen, anyone who's had a bet that's come off in a, bit, in a yeah, big yeah. race feels a bit like that. But to own a horse, to know all the people involved... They must be pretty special, and and so always have your mates there with you, yeah. and you know your family around you, and and no, and it, it, the reason that was an extra special day as well. Sam was injured at the time, obviously Bells you'd arrived. Yeah, we obviously knew Ryan was coming to the end of his personal battle with injury and stuff. Willie was there, everyone was there on the mm. day, you know, and obviously Bells he had written out his claim the year before. He'd been struggling for rides, and just one of them days. We, it's, there's always a story with this horse, you know, like. And won his other race at Cheltenham, Jamie Bargain, he jumped mm. on and Ryan broke his collarbone. There's always been a story, you know, and it's just, it's amazing. I, I'll never, ever, ever forget that day in particular because it was absolutely lashing down with rain. I was covered in mud from head to toe and I've yeah. never been so happy in my life. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai. Uh, welcome back. Uh, the studio's packed now. John Neal's uh, stuck around. He's going to be with us for some of the talking points and plenty more uh, besides. Dave Yates has joined us as well. And a recently retired Wayne Hutchison looking quite relaxed. Has it all sunk in over the last week or so been for you? Um, it's been good. It's been busy, hectic, which is nice. It's nice to know sort of you, you made a mark. Um, so, yes, it's been good. More than made a mark. We're going to talk about that as well. Surprise to the news men and women, Dave? It was to the weighing room, I think. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Uh, you know, we were talking before we came in and, and when the news broke on Monday uh, in the studio, we were saying, you know, it, it's the general thing, I, I think, where sportsmen tend to retire just slightly over the hill. You know, that's... That, that, that they feel that their, you know, that their their performance isn't quite at its peak. Mm. Obviously, they, they haven't become a laughing stock because they can't do the job <laughs> anymore. But they're just they're, no. I'm, talk, like, I'm talking in general terms, obviously. Yeah. But we were talking in specifically in Wayne's case the fact that last season was his best ever season, and so it's quite rare for a sportsman to say, right, well, I'm going to. I'm going to call it a day now. One would have expected maybe those numbers to dip slightly over the next couple of seasons and then Wayne to think, well, I'm at an age now where the injuries take more time to 
recover from, etc. The older that you get, and now I'm going to call it a day. So. I was surprised, yeah. Yeah, that's you true, know. though. Knocking on for 90 winners. Alan King always seems to, to have close to 200 horses yeah. or whatever it is and a constant uh, revaluation of the, the stock. Was it... Where did it come from? Um, I can't really tell you. It's a number <laughs> of different things. Yeah. Um, look, ultimately, in sport, any sport, and obviously especially our sport, you've got to be 110%. Um, and I was off for a couple of months in the summer um, from an injury at home. Um, come back, rode a winner on my first day back, which was great. Back in the swing of things. And sort of 10 days prior to um, announcing my retirement, um, I don't know. I just, the, the heart wasn't 100% in it. Yeah. And I always said to myself, the minute that happens, that's when you've got to stop. Rising 39 on the back of, like you said, last year, you know, my best season. Um, you know, and, and 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 it all just slotted in lovely. You know, in a sense, it just felt right. It was the right time to go, as you mentioned there. Sort of, you know, you can sort of just dip out the other side, and and I didn't want to go down that route. You know, and it just felt right for me. You know, obviously the family was happy for me to stop, and uh, you know, I'd gone on a journey for 21 years that gave us, you know, a fantastic, you know, fantastic story, and you know, it, it was. It was, you know, right to call it a day. It just, you just felt it. It felt just, right, yeah, yeah. That, that mental thing is absolutely, uh, is absolutely vital, though, isn't it? Any yeah. any pursuit, particularly one that you're involved with, if when there's a point where you think, you know what, my just, I can't force this. My mind is no longer one hundred percent. You know, and we can all think of different things that we've done and think, you know what, I'm just not really. Uh, I, I can't manufacture this. Yeah, I, I'm just not quite. That's so laudable, though, to trust yourself in that regard. To really, genuinely trust yourself that you're making the right decision. John, you and I both love boxing, and, and how many times do we see in that sport where fighters go on one, two, three more than that? Fights too long, and you know, as a fellow musician <laughs> as well, you know that you always leave them wanting a bit more. Oh, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I haven't done that. But look at him. No, he looks like he could ride another twenty he years. Got to, a flea, you know what I mean? But, but I think what you've always uh, look. It's easy for us to say it. It's easy for me to say as an owner. Mm. I'm on the other side of it. I pay a bill. I turn up at the races. The horse is fantastic. The jockey's there. He, 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 I can't imagine how it must feel mm. if you are at home and you're going, I'm not 100% anymore. Because that, you haven't got an option. And as you say, in so many of the sports, in boxing, you haven't got an option. You should, you know, sometimes those lads get injured or mm. outside to Wayne and said, if you're injured, you're finished mm. now at the age Wayne's getting to. He's been able to walk out on his own terms. You know that's an incredible achievement. Yeah, you said it's, your family. Yeah, well, it was family a, relieved. Did, did you uh, yeah, that? very much so. And it's really interesting that um, an instance you gave there about boxing. Mm. My dad, he follow, he loves his boxing. He follows it as well. And for the example you gave me there was exactly an example that um, you know he's, he's he, he put to me as well. You know, you know, you, you see that retired, but you know, coming back one last fight, yeah. one last yeah. fight. And uh, like I say, so a lot of thought process went in w with the week and, um, you know, Alan was obviously shocked. He was fantastic. Yeah. You know, he, he said, don't make any rash decisions and take what time you need, you know, go away and, and, and have a think. And I went through a thought process and, and saw a couple of people that I thought would, you know, sort of was the right stage to go through to, to come to, to make sure it's the right decision. I had a gut feeling it was the right decision. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to have no regrets. And you... you'd 
you've kind of done it all through your career, haven't you? You, you kind of had to you had to ply your trade, do your time, and wait for your opportunity yeah. in a sense. But yeah. behind Chuck Thornton for for several years as as well. Did that mean that you you felt absolutely ready when? The kind of time came to our eyes when you get your moment in the spotlight. Yeah, it was, it was, it was perfect in that sense that you, you, you were sort of, you'd had plenty of experience, mm. um, you'd experienced big days sort of as a number two, so sort of it, it, it was a nice seamlessly transition, if you mm. like, um, into, into that role. And, uh, you know, thankfully, you know, say you was very comfortable as well, obviously. You know, working for the man that you were working for and um, knew, knowing that, you know, he had a hundred. 100% you know, trust in you as well, so it makes all the difference. If you'd have had your way, you'd have been playing football. I certainly would have done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did, talk us through that, those sort of early days and, and what the decision-making and, and ultimately how you ended up in racing. Um, well, I always rode um, mm. on and off as a kid. Um, so your mum have a riding school? Or? No, no, she just had horses. Right. Um, yeah, so there was no background in, in within racing apart from dad loved it and followed it at weekends. Um, and had a, had a pony on and off sort of through my childhood, but football was my passion each yeah. weekend. And uh, I was sort of on Swindon's, Swindon's books as a, as a, as a schoolboy and, uh, yeah, 14 years old, uh, off you go. <laughs> you're not good enough. <laughs> it's so... I mean, it is ruthless. That you know, yeah, you're not big enough. Is, yeah. You're not good enough. I mean, how many make it and That's don't it. make it's, it? It's, it's tough. Yeah. So, like I say, so and and that was the dream in the sense of you know wanting to play for Arsenal and yeah. you know represent. You know, they they were your you know sort yeah. of your, your childhood sort of dreams, if you like. Um, but one thing I wanted to do was I wanted to do sport. I love sport, and uh, I wanted to make a living and a career out of it. So, were you a natural sportsman? Would you say could you have turned your hand to maybe one or two different things? Yeah. Yeah, I'm shocking at cricket. <laughs> shocking at cricket. And, 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 I've, not, I've not met a, a jockey yet who's not a bandit at golf. Um, no, I, I, I can sort of, you know, turn your hand to sort of most sort of, you know, I can play darts, I can, you know, play golf, or, you know, um, football. Yeah, it's sort of had a go at rugby, but got mullered, obviously, because I was quite little. So, um, but, yeah, so I, lo- I love sport that way, and I love being active. Um, but, yeah, so I wanted, you know, it's a... I combined, you know, my riding with, with, with my dad's passion. You know, I used to love sit and watching, you know, follow it as a kid as yeah. well. And, uh, you know, went and knocked on Mark Usher's door at 14, you yeah. know, and asked her if I could come and muck out at weekends and <laughs> have a ride on the hack. The answer, <laughs> the answer to that one was, yeah, so it was the flat originally, wasn't it? Yeah, where, it was, where yeah. Was, was it, was it Wade? Where was the transition to National Hunt? Um, well, I always loved National Hunt. Yeah. Again, loved, loved following, um, you know, purist in that sense. But I was little... Um, and uh, people said to me, you know, you, you should sort of, you know, ride on the flat. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, you're too little to ride over jumps. Um, so I spent, yeah, sort of left school and went and apprenticed for him for two years. Um, got heavy and in my second sort of last six months in the winter. Um, Mark sort of got a conditional license help for me and uh, had a, a handful of rides, you know, on, on a, one of his old, older sort of accomplished hurdlers and uh, went from there. Well, we talk about those um, early days in due course. We uh, uh, alongside George Baker, our, our now racing TV yeah. colleague, in those early days at uh, Mark Usher's, and we'll speak about that in due course. But before we do, let's reflect on some of the performances from the weekend. And there was loads to get our teeth into as well, starting with uh, that performance at Downrail from Road to Respect, winning it. Twice in a row, of course, Clandeso, Bo, Dave in the race as well. Um, the favourite 
just made one mistake too many, kept getting back into the race, but then would make a mistake as, as well. It was a fascinating contest to watch unfold. Yeah, it was. Uh, Gordon Elliott warned that Delta Work might need this, and he said that he wouldn't be uh, that worried if the horse was beaten. It, in the end, it wasn't lack of fitness, really, that uh, that did for the favourite. Like you say, he, he put in a, a less-than-perfect round of jumping. Obviously, that would be he'll need to polish that now that he's um, out of the novice class and running against experienced horses like this Road to Respect is an admirable horse as you say he won this 12 months ago, Clondis Oboe is the horse in the barber colours, the green there and I'm sure Paul Nichols will be although Paul Nichols will never be pleased at finishing second, no. um, I imagine that he'll be pretty happy with the way that this horse has run because yeah. he's travelled well it looked really as though this He's probably been beaten by a, a horse with a sharper fitness edge. That, yeah, that I think that's fair. And I think just generally, I mean, he'd had that race course gallop with, with Thornton, hadn't he? But he, I just one or two of the, the Nichols horses maybe just coming on significantly for the for the run. So that puts him spot on. I tell you what, John, that King George is simmering up to be an, an absolute cracker of a race. It's a belter, isn't it? And I mm. think uh, I think what people want to be careful. I mean, I, was, I love Road to Respect. I think he's a horse. I think he's a, I think he's a smashing horse. Well, on the ratings, he was entitled to beat the favourite, Delta Work, wasn't yeah. he? So it, it, it was no mug sort of no. surprise performance by any stretch. But I wonder if he's maxed out and on that day and maybe come... There's a definite well, well only only time will tell in this in this sense. But going into the race, if you were to pinpoint the horses for whom mm. that Labricks Champion Chase was the Cup final, it wouldn't have been Delta Work and Clondes Obo. Sure. It would have been more likely to be Road to Respect. Now that's not to say that Noel Mead can't keep Road to Respect. I, I agree with you. I, he's a he's a favourite of mine and. We tend to look at uh, horses, I think, through the dreaded prism of how they get on yeah. at the Cheltenham Festival. Mm -hmm. And thus far, you know, road to respect, his his grade one wins have been away from there. Yeah. And so, and it's something that, you know... He's staying at the festival, hasn't he? Did he yeah. But you know, but he, uh, he's a good horse, and, and I think... Thing now we always underestimate these old come and win now and they go oh well it doesn't matter well it does matter oh. and, and and it's a bit I, well, I, I'm obviously being a bit flippant there but he's a very very good horse and he's a good horse on a variety of ground oh I, I think that's <laughs> true we're going to take a look at Real Steel next by the way as well but I think John's point is is a fair one as we take a look at Real Steel uh, yesterday he's the, the kind of coming force in the the chase division but I do I do think horses who like don't won don't win five grade ones in a, uh, on the bounce don't. You know, but and yet take you to every one of the big gigs and might win grade twos and might win the odd grade one. They don't get the credit they deserve. In other words, if you owned one, you'd be or you were part of it, you'd be delighted. Over the moon, and yeah. no means, no mug. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That's all about Let me ask you as we thing. as we watch uh, Real Steel and I get uh, Dave's um, take on on this. Harry Cobden win, and he's got the opportunity, but he's made that transition from being a promising conditional to professional to a big race jockey in a fairly short space of time. He has, and uh, he, he's got fantastic mentality. Um, nothing seems to phase him. You know, he takes it, takes the, you know, the big days as well, you know, in his stride. I say he's in, you know, head on your shoulders like that, you know, is, is, is a massive key factor. And obviously his riding's improved no end as well. What did you make of Real Steel, Dave? 
I thought that was quite impressive. I mean, he was uh, six, wasn't he, to Defi de Surrey at Cheltenham? Again, we'll talk about the Cheltenham <laughs> Festival. Then, then went on to win off, uh, was it 1-5-1, I think, at, at Punterstown. So I think this represents a step forward. And again, you know, now that we'll see what, what he's capable of doing uh, in open company, but, you know, secret investor is a decent yardstick, isn't he? And, he? and he's beaten him in the end by a wide margin there. Well, let's um, talk about Cheltenham again because the champion <laughs> bumper uh, horse in Voyalen was over hurdles uh, yesterday at Down Royal over the weekend and it was a terrific performance. I was so impressed, Wayne, by his jumping. He, he's translated that bumper form over hurdles and uh, he looks like he's, he's got the stuff, this horse. Yeah, he's very slick, travelled great, jumped super, um, very clean over his hurdles and uh, it was very smooth, you know, and I'm sure Connections would be delighted with what they saw yesterday. David Russell, I think, was preaching perspective afterwards when he was speaking to, to Gary O'Brien. Let's not get too carried away. And of course, it's a really intriguing, the whole jockey situation there now. Dave, with um, obviously Jack Kennedy off and, and Keith Donoghue stepping up to the plate, getting lots of opportunities on when the weight allows. Yeah, and obviously got the, the opportunity on, on Sam Crow. Uh, I'm all for perspective, and uh, you know, it, it's it's. There's a it, caveat coming here. Well, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm required to wear two hats sometimes. One is as a as a reporter, where you are supposed to give something a bit of rah rah in a in a red top, particularly, um, and also doing more analytical work for racing tv you have to say well let's let's try and keep this in perspective and with novice horses you know especially these days in well start of november never mind that like the end of september horses get quotes for the cheltenham festival the following march and you know your your instinct really should be to screw those quotes up and put them in the bin because there's so much water to flow under the bridge mm. but with this horse you, you you sort of get the impression that what he was doing in bumpers was sort of in spite of the fact that he was racing over two miles with no no obstacles in front of him. He just he does look a bit of a monster. Mm. Again, in terms of form, well, he what was he a four to one on favourite yesterday, and it would have been a, a a disappointment if he hadn't won that race impressively. But didn't he win it impressively? Well, and it's a cliche about you know that bumper race. Not every winner of that comes out the following season and builds on it yeah. you know it's quite often the fourth the fifth the sixth in the champion moment that go on to be the really top class hurdles yeah he is one to four but to come out and do that first time mm. out again it obviously hasn't left its mark on him you know he's he's raiding and he's ready to go again let's take a look at uh, weatherby uh yesterday as well terrific uh, day it was for team twist and uh, davies it was testing conditions and that really did suit bally optic in the charlie hall and I just wish Davis winning it again. Has he been crowing about this, John? He doesn't go on about it much. He just <laughs> mentioned it. How many? Is it six? Is it yeah, seven? Six, yeah. Six. And I, I think as soon as the rain came there yesterday, it was already soft. I think we saw it underwater last week. I think as soon as the rain came and it turned into an absolute, you know, a real test. But again, I'm putting him down. He's a very, very good horse. Yeah. And he's been rated very highly for most of his career. I think it was very, very impressive. I think he's obviously now, I think, the national and... I don't know whether he'll go Welsh National or whatever he'll do, but as soon as it turned into that extreme sort of stamina test, I think he was well fancied and I think Nye's really fancied him as well. Well, he's a sub-160 horse winning this, Dave, so you sort of feel, we've got to preach perspective, he's, he's maximised an opportunity, but I think they're talking maybe a stab at the Betfair chase if, if conditions came up. Well, wh why wouldn't you have a go at that, particularly they'll be given the ground, uh, 
you've got a horse who won at Chepstow prior to this. Mm. He's gone, uh, and, and this race has obviously played his strengths. Yes, La Bagua disappointed. Uh, last year's winner, uh, definitely Red, was a little bit dull as well. So yeah, those are reasons to keep the form in perspective. But what you've got a ho- what you've got here is a horse who still seems capable of better. Why wouldn't you go to Haydock? You're going to get soft grounds. Well, the, second, the second's a very good horse. Well, Me and Wayne were talking off. But a, st- but a steer. He was the first one beat, you know, down the back and yeah. leaving the back, you'd sort of, you sort of, you was going to fall out the back of the screen. Yeah, it shows you how demanding yeah. and testing yeah. it was. What yeah. a run that was. I mean, if you, if you were to get really soft ground for a Cheltenham Gold Cup, I tipped him last year and he just wasn't quick enough sure. under those conditions. Yeah. But like you say, Wayne, he's almost like the first scratched off your list leading the back yeah. straight, isn't he? You think, well, he's not going to win. And then suddenly he's powering home. But... I suppose we should talk about the winner. And the winner we shall talk about because Sam Tristan Davis joins us live on the line. Double uh, yesterday, Cap Gary uh, proving that he could be a coming force now, starting to justify some previous ambition with that. Horse Sam, how are things? Morning, gents. Very well, thank you. Good man. We've got to, we've got the leader of the Ginger Army here. Have you have you got a message for him? I know John Boyd is very excited to have his posh train journey down in his free hotel. So I hope you're looking after him more. <laughs> do you know Do you know what, Sam? T- ten, ten, fifteen, and certainly twenty years ago, you have a, a double at the Charlie Hall meeting. You'd be on the lash for a week. But now, it, what what what's it now these days? Off to the gym, in bed yeah. by nine. We're just leaving, just leaving for Carlisle now. I'm just for young, young, Amy uh, um, Barbary and Tommy Bells. So, um, imagine a few stories will be told on the way up, and hopefully a few better ones on the way home after a good day. But we'll have to go try and see. What's your your reflection on Bally Optic? We're just saying it, it sort of developed into a stamina test, and he had the tools for the job. How do you sort of re- try and review that performance objectively? Yeah, um, very very good test. Although all the way round, um, Topville Ben said set off went a nice even gallop. Um, he, he's running ahead of a race. He jumped, got into a really good rhythm, and turning in, I was thinking, oh, it's literally going to be the three of us. And um, obviously, you know, with Azo and Venetia Williams, like uh, oh, she's very very good trainer, and had a, um, him and great Nick. But um, just having that run under our belt obviously helped massively. And he's very he's very fit, very well. He got into a good rhythm. And obviously then his stamina came into four late on. So um, very stout performance and hopefully one we can keep, keep, keep building on as the season goes. Yeah, let's hope so. Listen, we're probably in the media. We're all too guilty of not enjoying the day, aren't we? Because we're constantly looking forward to what's next, what's next. But is it right there might be a stab at the, the Betfair chase? What, what, what are the horizons for him? I guess long and short, you just have to see how he's come out of it. I haven't mm. spoken to, to Dad this morning, so, so not sh- too, too sure how he is. But hopefully all being well. Um, the horse will tell us what, what kind of to do. At the end of the day, if he said kind of at the back end of last season, after the season he had, he'd have come out and bolted up in a handicap and gone on and won a Charlie Hall, he'd have taken it. So yeah. I guess whatever happens now, you look forward and just go and have a bit of fun rather than putting too much pressure on ourselves. Not bad. Now, Nigel winning most trainer of the Charlie Hall, that's, not, that's another one on the list. Yeah, he's, he's done, as John knows, he doesn't mind telling people. So, um, <laughs> fantastic trainer, um, knows his horse as well and um, just gets on with it. And um, 
although when things don't always go right, he's a tremendous man to sit beside on the way home when you have had a bad day. But <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, he's even better, man, to sit next to on the way home when you've had a good day. Yeah, I bet, I bet. And Cap Gaddy, John John was telling me he's a bit of a judge because he, he's, he's been saying that chasing would be the making of this horse. He delivered yesterday in no un, uncertain terms. Has he, has he always yeah, had that potential? He, well, we kind of really liked him at the, um, at the back end, uh, sorry, at the start of last season. And then he won a two-runner novice hurdle. And he kind of never really went forward from there, whether we didn't have it quite right or things just didn't quite work out for, it, out for him. But he just seemed to get into a really good rhythm around Warwick over three. Um, probably didn't quite have a fit enough that day. And he progressed really well. And obviously dropping back to two and a half. Mm. Uh, the fact you know he stays well, you could go out there, be good and positive and... Yeah, hopefully now we keep progressing and as the season goes on, he's got a great team of owners, so hopefully we can have a good bit more fun with him yet. Uh, West of the Bridge made a, a huge mistake. What was it, two out? Did, did you think you were going to beat him anyway? Well, I thought originally it was between myself and um, Aidan Coleman. I didn't really realise to watch in the replay until um, how well kind of Harry was going. Um, obviously, West of the Bridge has always been a very, very strong traveller and always hasn't found loads and loads. So um, the one thing with our fella, you always know he's going to tough it out. Uh, Bally Andy, did he just simply not stay? It's a, it's, it, with Bally Andy, it's a very incredibly tricky line to say, really. Yeah. He almost has probably has too many gears for that three miles. But at the same time, he's stuck in the impossible bracket between a very, very good handicapper, where it's almost too hard to win off that kind of mark. Yeah. Then at the same time, to then go and win a grade two against some of those, like, uh, you know what I mean, Harry, and the world's end. I mean, once upon a time, it was really, really good horse. And, um, he's obviously come back to form, so it's just a hard one, really. I imagine we'll just have to, to, to keep him, keep see how he is afterwards, and just keep doing what we do. And if he can end up maybe back in a coral cup a bit lower, then that that would be handy. And we've got uh, Wayne Hutchison in the, the studio. Obviously, you could only dream of looking as smooth and sweet in the saddle <laughs> as, as he as he does. Uh, it seems um, that came as a surprise to, to all of all of you lot. Yeah, well, he's landed us all in a bit of a hole because when Noel left, he was captain of um, Team Broad and then um, he was doing a fantastic job and he seems to have left it to the likes of obviously myself and Keelan Woods now and should, we don't have a clue what we're doing, so he's <laughs> all in a bit of trouble. It's also, yeah, you've also nudged higher up the the, the elder statesman bracket. In the, in the, I know. Uh... <laughs> well, the agent is taking more days off and, and slowly getting Gordy Clarkson going. So um, <laughs> we've got it. we're having a bit of fun. We've got Gordy and Brody team. And obviously we had Wayne as, Wayne as the captain. And obviously we'll miss him. But at the same time, he's, uh, he's always been a legend in the way. And he still will be, always, always will be. Fantastic. I'll pay you later, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a filthy. He's, I, honestly, if you, he went off and became a football manager, you wouldn't be surprised. The amount of money he's taken off the rest of us in that um, fantasy football league. Graceful, <laughs> <laughs> honestly. Luck on Sunday. Proudly sponsored by Albasti Equuel Dubai. Well, we can't have luck on Sunday without speaking to the main man himself, Nick Luck, who's been over stateside working for NBC on the Breeders' Cup. And what an amazing story, of course, with Iridessa. But, Nick, I suppose first things first, and it's been a tumultuous year for American racing, uh, maybe just the aftermath of the Breeders' Cup Classic itself will fuel the fire. Alex, you're right. It's been, in many respects, two fantastic days racing, extremely well run, run with utmost care and diligence, 
and attention to detail and a, a complete attempt to, 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 to get through it as safely as possible, particularly with the eyes on racing in America, and in particularly in Southern California. And until the last 100 yards of the Breeders' Cup Classic, the 14th of the 14 Breeders' Cup races, not a semblance of, a, of an injury or a mishap. And then very sadly, Mongolian Groom, who'd won one of the key trial races, the Autumn Again Stakes, at the same track, over the same distance, and had, had done so posting a career best, took a bad step in, in third place, backed out of it, and unfortunately had to be had to be put down in the race course stables, which cast a, a huge shadow over what had otherwise been a you know, really, really fantastic two days racing. And you know, there have been other major events, there have been other Breeders' Cups in the past where, where we've had the fatalities. You know, go for one being the most prominent example all those years ago. Pine Island, I can remember from, from one of the first Breeders' Cups I covered for, for Network TV. There have been you know, countless Melbourne Cups in the last five, six years where, where horses haven't come back. Innumerable jump races in, in the UK where, where similar things have happened, derbies, etc. But because of the attention, because of the widespread media attention on this event and on, on, on Santa Anita in particular, this will be very keenly felt by by the racing community. But I, I earnestly hope that people will be able to look back on this event and, and reflect on, on some of the positives as well. And there were plenty of them, weren't they? Most notably from a, a European perspective would be Joseph O'Brien, who continues to break every record imaginable. And as has been pointed out, you know, Aidan O'Brien may have produced many great horses, but there's probably been no finer achievement in his life <laughs> than producing his, his children. And, and Joseph's a you know, shining example. What an extraordinary human being he is to have achieved what he's achieved in his mid-twenties. Youngest man ever to ride a Breeders' Cup winner. It's Nicholas Abbey, now the youngest man ever to train a Breeders' Cup winner in Iridessa, and only the second person ever to ride and train a Breeders' Cup winner after Freddie Head, who did it with the two brilliant fillies, Miask and Goldakova. It's a titanic achievement, and one that clearly his parents, Anne-Marie and Aidan, who were there, were so proud of. I don't think I've ever seen them looking so, so happy. The Breeders' Cup has been such a huge part of their lives. I think from the days of, of High Chaparral, Giants Causeway, Johannesburg, it's been something that the O'Brien family have, have really, have really um, warmed to. And I think when, when Aidan and Anne-Marie were younger and, and they had four very young children, they would take them to the Breeders' Cup every year. It was a bit like a family holiday. So I think the whole event means an awful lot to them. And, and, and there was a sort of added significance to it. I think Joseph, in the interview we did after the, after the race, was was putting it right up there with his victory in the Melbourne Cup and his victory in the Irish Derby and his victories at Cheltenham and so forth. It's amazing what he's achieved in such a short space of time. And Nick, from a, a personal point of view, I, I suspect the success on Friday for Peter Ayrton, uh, of course, father of your, uh, one of your colleagues, yeah. Brittany, who, who worked alongside me and Royal Ascot in recent seasons as well for racing TV. I suspect that must have given you all a, a real personal kick. Yeah, I think from a broadcast perspective, it was great, wasn't it? And, and we'd all sort of agreed eight or nine days ago that there was a, uh, a text chain that went round without Brittany on it saying, you know, if, if Pete Torres wins the juvenile, we'll, we'll, we'll all stand back and, 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 and make her do the interview, which was quite cruel, really, because <laughs> you know, a lesser broadcaster would have crumbled under, under, that sort of emotional, under that sort of emotional pressure. But she's an absolute pro and, and pulled it off brilliantly, as we all knew she would. So 
it was great to see. And, and you know, Pete, Peter is, is such a, a good man, such a nice man, such a hard-working trainer. And I think everyone in, in Southern California was evidently so pleased for him. He's a very modest guy, just really, really able uh, trainer, and hopefully it'll it'll get lots more success for him. He sprung a massive surprise in the Phillies equivalent with Champagne a few years ago, and now he's done it with coolest shots, both at huge prices. And it was lovely to see every every trainer in Southern California was coming up and warmly congratulating him. You know, Bob Baffert, John Sadler, and Simon Callahan, all the big names. Simon Callahan, he's he's getting so close, isn't he, Nick? He's getting oh. so close. He's had bad luck this weekend. Donna Valachi probably moved too soon. She was going so well in the juvenile fillies, and Bellafina didn't get the best of trips. She had to trap inside out in the filly and mare sprint, and, and she ran a storm. In Cassefi, she ran into a very, very smart filly. And Cassefi's just one of a number of horses who produced stellar performances. It might not resonate that much with the European audience, but some of the, the very, very best performances came on the main track. Vina Russell's performance in itself, smashing up McKinsey by four and a half lengths with four and a half lengths back to the third, was brilliant in the in the classic. Matoli in the sprint, I thought, was magnificent. Cafetti in the Philly in there sprint was was brilliant. Um, Spunky Run won't get the credit he deserves because he beat Omaha Beach, but he did it fair and square. Uh, the Distaff winner, Blue Prize, again, she lowered the colours of Midnight Beasy, was expected to win that race, but she's a, she's a brilliant filly. She'll head off to the sales now. So yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the really brilliant performances came on came on dirt. The, probably the best turf performance came in the turf itself. But Bricks and Moore, so he was too keen early. It wasn't his right distance, but he got the job done. And he's he's a he's a massive candidate for horse of the year now. Excellent stuff, Nick. Thank you so much. And is the feeling right now? We we accept as as horse racing fans and as horse racing people that occasionally there will be moments of pain in, in, in the sport. Is the immediate reaction that they will be able to ride the wave? I hope so. I, I hope there's an acceptance that there's a genuine movement towards making it better and making making racing a, a, a safer sport and a, a sport that minimises risk where, where possible. And I, I, I feel hugely for the connections of of Mongolian groom and a Bishkan bat and the Mongolian racing stable. But I feel also hugely for all those people at, at the Breeders' Cup and Santanisi who I've seen putting in an enormous amount of effort in the last few months to, to make this event go off as safely as possible. Um, and I could see how crestfallen they were by uh, by this accident happening in the, in the in the final race. And, you know, I can attach zero blame to them. Um, and, and I just hope that the example that they've set in the last few months is an example to all the um, all the states in the in the U.S. and not only that, all the jurisdictions around the world to do their due diligence, get the get the sport running as safely as they feasibly can, and in in the in the fullness of time, reduce the reduce the incidence of of serious injury and fatality where where it's it, 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 it's possible, you know, within the within the framework of the sport and without, without detracting from the, the basic essence of it. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. A lot of people seem to think that girls from my background just tend to be a stay-at-home mum that cooks and cleans. Oh, but I hate you, aren't you? 
They were good. I'm preparing to race for the Magnolia Cup. I'm not really sure what to expect. I've never been on a race course. <laughs> I've never raced. We're going on the bumper cars. <laughs> I had my first go on a race course this morning. Good. Go. Going to the next exercise. He's at the bottom of a steep curve. We really need to raise the game. I'm afraid to tell you that we failed. Shut up. I don't... I got it. My name is Khadija Mala. A big part of my life has just been proving people wrong about what a person like me can achieve. Runners being called forward for the Magnolia Cup. Um, what else you want to know? And here she is. Yes, indeed. Winning jockey. A film star, media lovey now as well, being doing the tour alongside uh, Ollie Bell, who joins us in the studio as well. I suppose we have to call him filmmaker now, uh, Ollie uh, Bell. How are you? Feet on the ground, time to enjoy all of the last few months? Um, I still look back at the footage and go like, "Uh, is that me? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I feel like I'm still not quite there, but um, looking back at it, I'm, I'm like still shaken by the whole experience. We got to see the, the premiere of the film on, on ITV after the World Cup final, indeed, yesterday. So it was a great kind of <laughs> platform. Have you had sort of texts and messages? Do you get loads a chance to watch it back? All my friends um, that have sort of gone off to uni, so I haven't been in contact with them, mm. have then watched it and then come to me and been like, I didn't even realise like, how amazing your, like, your summer had been. Yeah. <laughs> um, and loads of people, like even strangers, have been sending me amazing like emotional messages and it's so nice so Ollie I suppose that that's kind of the impact you wanted to have that's one of the reasons that you made the film I suppose yeah totally I mean at the start the idea was formed to try and shine a light on Ebony Horse Club Mm -hmm. in Brixton which is just this amazing centre where Khadija and her her brother ride um, every Sunday I think Khadija's been going for the last six or seven years of her Mm -hmm. life and I didn't really know about it until two years ago when we linked to a, a news piece about it on on the opening show. And I'd lived in Denmark Hill for a couple of years, mm. so half a mile down the road was Ebony Horse Club, which I, a man who has worked in racing for 15 years, didn't know about. So um, I thought there was something wrong there, the fact that we didn't know about places like this. So my job, or my idea, was in the hope of promoting Ebony. But then, because of Khadija's sort of groundbreaking success, mm. the fact that she has now become a, a role model to, to young men and women um, uh, out there, there's lots of different strands to this story which have had from those messages and the reaction, incredibly positive impact. So I'm, I'm very proud of, of the film, but most first and foremost, I'm incredibly proud of Khadija because to do this, you needed someone who was able to be determined, ambitious, um, to persevere, but she's done it all with a, a wonderful manner and um, we've become great friends, but, but she's just a, a real force. Did you know that you kind of had that in you, that... I suppose it, it came across like a fighter's instinct, really. She's a black belt in karate. <laughs> That's not a joke. She's, she, she is. She's definitely a fighter. So, but that determination, where, do, where does that come from? Um, I think... There's not many people have asked that question, actually. Um, but I think it's to do with my upbringing mm. and my parents, because my, my both my dad and my mum have the same attitude, and I feel like it was just instilled into me whilst I was growing up. I didn't even notice it. That's why, to me, when I look back at everything, I'm like... I just did me like it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, to me. It's it's not as big of a deal as certain people have conveyed it to me, and I'm, I'm like struggling to understand how 
how people sort of see the the whole story. Um, but yeah, from my upbringing, my parents, um, how they sort of went from sort of nothing to you know having a family mm. and children that are going to school and doing relatively well um, took them a lot of effort and mental willpower, and I think that's sort of just ingrained in me whilst I was growing up. How did the the first trip to the the Ebony Horse Club come about? Because there's some amazing shots of the kind of backdrop of the high rise. I mean, I know Brixton well. I, I've lived there for and around there for many years when I was in, in London, and I had no idea mm. that that was there. I mean, it is right in the epicentre <laughs> of it, isn't it? How, how did that first visit come around for you? Um, my mum saw a leaflet um, while mm. she was on the way to a mosque near in Brixton, and I've I've always wanted to ride. Like I've always been, like pushing to ride, and we ended up having to travel really far. Mm. Um, and then when I found out about Ebony, literally within the next couple of days, I was like, I don't believe you, but we're going to go and check it out. <laughs> um, we went to see it, and there was horses, and I was like, what? <laughs> in the middle of Brixton. Yeah, I was like, it's been here for three or four years, and I had no idea. I was just so annoyed at myself for not finding out earlier, yeah. um, because it, it would have meant that I would have like ridden earlier and um, I was in the waiting list for ages because loads of people wanted to be involved um, but yeah it was a massive shock because I was so, like what? so there's not there's a waiting list to actually get I heard there was a waiting list for volunteers actually mm. to you know people who are you might know about horses and how to deal with horses themselves and could help tacking up I've heard there's a waiting list for for that Ollie. is there is there is there room for e expansion uh, to, to be honest, you'd have to speak to everybody about that, but I know there's 150 um, children that are there, and I think that's their sort of capacity. Yeah. But how how long did you have to wait to get in? Um, I was in the waiting list for a year, but then I think they lost my application, and then I had to reapply. <laughs> but you got there in the end. In the end. And you described it as a, you know, a riding centre stroke youth club. It is, it as is. well. What, what were the, the facets of it besides the... And what sort of people were there alongside you? Um, so the lessons are structured where you come in for 30 minutes after school, but then as you progress, mm. you then spend more time and you start to do more yard work. And automatically, when you're working on the yard, you know, you struggle at first and you end up asking other people for help, asking, you know... And you end up socialising just th on the yard. You have to, yeah. essentially. Essentially, yeah, you have mm. to. Um and then not only that, but when you go inside, there's like they ha there's like a little kitchen and a little common room, so people end up just chilling there, <laughs> interacting and, and yeah. socialising. So you've made friends just through that. Oh yeah, I've made a friend that has now gone to uni, mm. and I'm 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 at Brighton with him, and I've known him for like a good five to six years. So. Oh, fantastic, fantastic. And but I know because I've always been a horse racing fan, but not necessarily a horse. Fan, and it, it took me a while to sort of envelop myself in the in the, the country, the horse world, if you like. And I, I, I must admit, when I first started being around horses, they're very intimidating <laughs> creatures, aren't they? Was it natural to, to you? How did you find it early on, just being around horses? Um, I've always just been very in love with just horses. Yeah. Like I can't. I've never been intimidated. I did at some points get quite nervous around them because I've had a couple of nasty experiences mm. um, but it's always just been a foundation of I adore them <laughs> and getting on a horse and then learning to ride with her, rising actually... trot and all of that I mean it's such a weird thing isn't it rising trot 
I was actually quite impatient with my learning, um, <laughs> and I was always like, "Can I level up? Can I go to the next, you know, the next yeah. group?" Um, and I was definitely not ready. Um, but I've always loved like trying to sort of reach further in my riding and try and mm. um, advance. But uh, yeah, I just I loved the lessons at Ebony because the way they structured is great because you you end up being with the people that are on your level and it's it's like lessons like proper lessons yeah that's a fantastic so and and the the opportunity to ride in the Mag- magnolia cup was i don't know if you know this ollie was, was there a was there a sample of who could possibly do it was it a choice between you and three or four others How'd so what happened was um when i had the idea initially everything that happened for this story to be told happened kind of probably upside down so the initial idea I had was to to take a rider from Ebony and get a slot in the race. But I didn't have a film crew at the time or a rider, but I had a slot in the race because <laughs> I said to so Peter O'Sullivan lunch and Adam Waterworth from Goodwood was on my right. And I said, look, I'm kind of thinking about this idea. Can you just give me a spot in the Magnolia Cup and mm. I'll get the other sort of pieces of the puzzle put together? Then I went to Ebony and said, oh, I've got a spot in the race. Yeah. Now we need a rider. And then uh, they said, because of the sort of qualification for the race, you had to be 18 or over. And, um, and a female, obviously. It's a, it's a female-only race, charity race. Uh, and they put forward Khadija and a girl from Alice. She's a lovely girl. She's, um, she works up in Newmarket. She was work, she's working for Godolphin and, mm. and sort of full-time employment in racing, which is fantastic. And another, another sort of racing success story from... From uh, from Ebony, but because um, Khadija was was based in in Peckham still, and when Natia and Tom, the directors, spoke to Khadija, they saw that determination, that sort of commitment, that focus. That I suppose when you undertake a challenge of this magnitude, you, you need to see. So that's how that came about. Yeah. Um, and then we we in an ideal world, you probably wanted to film like three or four people because of the size of the task. Mm. We definitely put all our eggs in one basket. So when, as you'll see in the film. Khadija failed her first riding assessment five weeks before the race. Mm. We're there going, all right, um, lovely. We actually don't have a film because there's no ending to this film, yeah. no, other than like a girl getting told she's failed an yeah. assess- assessment on a train, um, which isn't quite the Hollywood ending that we'd anticipated at the start. But thankfully, Khadija's determination yeah. um, meant she took another test, and obviously the, the rest is history. Yeah, and I, I, I rode in a charity race, and I went from not riding at all to riding. Oh, that's and I know, but so I know how much work goes into that and I was riding I was probably riding out sometimes four or five times a week I was doing fitness pretty much every night I'd be doing squats in my living room and all of that Can you imagine doing that when I mean, you're doing your A-levels well, this and is, fasting for This is the thing I mean you you were studying for the most important exams of your young life then how, how difficult was that? Um, it was very not great yeah. <laughs> um, for the first two weeks that's when I had the sort of intense build-up towards my A-levels, and the revision was just shocking because I wasn't focusing and my brain was just melting. Yeah, um, too much to think about. Yeah, I did, I, like the Ramadan and the mm. revision, and generally speaking, I procrastinate a lot, so <laughs> <laughs> it, it just wasn't helping. But um, <clears throat> I think the racing and the training was sort of like an escape, to be fair, mm. even though at some points um, my parents would be like, you need to focus more. Um, to be fair, I don't think I would have performed any better with or without the racing. Because, in fact, I think it probably benefited me a bit because it got quite stressful. Yeah. And seeing horses um, often helped. Um, but the fasting affected my training 
in terms of my fitness. But thankfully, I picked that up as soon as Ramadan was over because that was only for two weeks right. um, of my training. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. You've been listening to the Luck on Sunday podcast, the weekly digest of the best bits from Luck on Sunday, the programme that brings you the best guests and insights from around the racing world.